Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 14th of December. India recorded under 30,000 fresh COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours and the country's total tally has inched closer to the 99 lakh or 9.9 million mark. The drop in fresh cases could be attributed to low testing because about 8.5 lakh samples were tested yesterday as opposed to the usual figure of over 10 lakh tests per day. Under 350 fresh fatalities were reported in the last 24 hours and this is the lowest single-day spike in fatalities in nearly six months. The CEO of Serum Institute of India or SII said yesterday that vaccination drives in the country could start by January 2021. He said that the institute, which is testing and manufacturing the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine candidate, is expecting to get emergency use authorization of the vaccine by the end of December. As the pharma agitation against the centre's new farm laws entered the 19th day, leaders of 32 farm unions began a nine-hour hunger strike at 8am today. Farmer groups are also organising protests at all district headquarters across the country. Protesting farmers at Ghazipur on the Delhi-UP border blocked the National Highway 24 earlier today, while farmers in Punjab's Ludhiana sat on a dharna outside the Deputy Commissioner's office. Delhi Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal said that he too would join the fast. He also made an appeal to other members of the Ahmadmi Party to join the protest. The Chief Minister took to Twitter to urge people to support the farmers by fasting, regardless of their location. Union Defence Minister Rajnath Singh, meanwhile, said today that there was no question of taking any retrograde steps against the agricultural sector. Singh added that the farm sector was the one sector that did not have to bear the adverse effects of the pandemic. He said, and I quote, Our produce and procurement have been plentiful and our warehouses are full, unquote. He also reiterated that the government undertook the agricultural reforms with the interests of the farmers in mind. Union Agriculture Minister Narendra Singh Tomar said that the government is engaging with the farmer leaders to decide the next date of talks. He said, and I quote, The meeting will definitely happen. We are engaging with farmers. Unquote. He also said that the farm leaders have to decide and convey when they are ready for the next meeting. The president of the Bharatiya Kisan Union's Haryana unit, Gurnam Singh Chanduni, on the other hand, said today that the centre was misleading everybody on the minimum support price. He revealed, and I quote, Home Minister Amit Shah replied to us during the December 8th meeting that they cannot buy all 23 crops at MSP as it costs 17 lakh crore rupees. The centre will continue buying crops at the same amount as they used to before. That's what buying at MSP means to them. But we cannot survive on that anymore. And the centre is not buying crops at MSP from all states. Unquote. After some union leaders claimed that sections of the farmer protests had been overtaken by Naxals or leftist elements, leaders of 32 farmer unions passed a joint resolution. They once again made it clear that their only concern is to get the farm laws repealed and nothing else. The unions also distanced themselves from the two protesting groups, namely the Bharatiya Kisan Union, Ekta Ugrahan Faction and the Kisan Mazdoor Sangharsh Committee or the KMSC. The comments of the union leaders had come after the Ekta Ugrahan faction had organised protests on December 10th, demanding the release of jailed activists like Sudha Bardwaj, Vernon Gonzalez and Varvara Rao. The 32 farmer union leaders said that the protest organised by the Ekta Ugrahan on Human Rights Day had hurt the cause of the farmers. Meanwhile, Sukhdev Singh, the Punjab General Secretary of the Ekta Ugrahan faction, said that the Ugrahan leaders will not participate in today's hunger strike. In other related news, the Deputy Inspector General of the Prisons Division of Punjab, Lakminder Singh Jhakar, resigned from his post yesterday in support of the farmers' protests. 
He said, and I quote, I am a farmer first and a police officer later. Whatever position I have got today, it is because my father worked as a farmer in the fields and he made me study. Hence, I owe everything to farming. Unquote. According to an Indian Express report, Singh, who was recently posted in Chandigarh, was suspended in May this year while serving as Amritsar's DIG prisons on alleged charges of corruption. Also, the Indian Railway Catering and Tourism Corporation, which seems to have turned into the Prime Minister's temporary PR agency, has sent out about 2 crore emails between December 8th and December 12th to its customers on 13 decisions taken by the Prime Minister Narendra Modi to support the Sikh community. The corporation said that it sent the emails to increase awareness about the new farm laws. Why are farmers worried about MSP not being written into the new farm laws when it never had a legal backing in the first place? Aren't middlemen exploiting farmers? And if they were removed through the new laws, as the Narendra Modi government claims they will be, is that not good? Also, aren't private companies in a better position to offer a higher price for a farmer's produce than APMCs? So why are the protesting farmers angry? These questions might appear simple, but their answers are complicated. After spending two weeks speaking to the agitating farmers at the Singhu border, my colleague Nidhi Suresh tried to understand their anger, emotions and the nuances driving their demands. Go to newslaundry.com and check out her latest explainer video that breaks down the answers to all these questions. It is titled, Explained, Why Farmers Don't Trust Modi Government's Word on Farm Laws. Also, dear listeners, my colleagues Nidhi and Basant have been on the grounds of the farmers' protests, covering it since the farmer groups reached the borders of Delhi two weeks ago. Go to the farmers' protest section on our website to check out their reports. We also have been posting their extensive video coverage on our social media handles. So please show them your support by sharing their video reports on your social media handles and family WhatsApp groups. The district administration of Uttar Pradesh's Muradabad yesterday denied reports of a 22-year-old girl's miscarriage. The girl named Pinky, who was three months pregnant, was kept in a government-run protection home after her Muslim husband, Rashid, was arrested under Uttar Pradesh's new anti-conversion law. This was the first case of a woman being put in custody under the new law. The district administration, however, has termed the reports of her miscarriage as fake news. The official said that Pinky was admitted to the Women's District Hospital on Friday after she complained of stomach ache. She was discharged on Sunday morning. They added that in the afternoon after she complained of another stomach ache, she was readmitted to the hospital. According to a Times of India report, however, the girl was readmitted to the hospital on Sunday because of bleeding and abdominal pain. According to the report, medical officers were unable to find out whether the baby was healthy as an ultrasound could not be conducted on Sunday. The district probation officer of Muradabad, on the other hand, said that the girl was fine. He added, and I quote, fake news of the girl's miscarriage is being circulated on social media, unquote. Pinky had told the police earlier that she had been married to Rashid since July this year. The two were going to register their marriage on December 5th when Rashid and his brother were arrested under the new anti-conversion law. The arrest was made based on a complaint filed by her mother. The police are yet to record Pinky's statement before a magistrate, despite her admission to the government-run protection home being done a week ago. A busy schedule was stated by the officials as the reason for the delay in getting her statement recorded. According to a Wall Street Journal report from yesterday, Facebook did not take action against Hindutva group Bajrang Dal due to political and business considerations. It also said that the company refrained from taking action to protect the safety of its employees. This was done despite Facebook's internal security team flagging Bajrang Dal as a dangerous organization that supported violence against minorities in India. 
The company's safety team had also said that the organization should be banned from the social media platform. The Bajrang Dal is a Hindutva outfit that is a part of the Sangh Parivar. The group's Facebook page had posted a video claiming responsibility for a church attack in Delhi in June this year. The Facebook video had received nearly 2.5 lakh views. Facebook, however, did not ban Bajrang Dal after an internal report from the security team warned that banning the outfit might endanger both the company's business prospects and its staff in India. The report also read, and I quote, Besides risking infuriating India's ruling Hindu nationalist politicians, banning Bajrang Dal might precipitate physical attacks against Facebook personnel or facilities. Unquote. Besides Bajrang Dal, the team also warned against banning two other right-wing groups, Sanatan Sanstha and the Sri Ram Sena from the platform. Meanwhile, an internal letter by a group of Facebook employees said that the move cast doubt on the company's commitment to tackle hate speech in India. This is not the first time Facebook has come under the scanner. In a similar report in August, the Wall Street Journal had published an article claiming that the social media giant had been lenient on alleged hate speeches by BJP leaders in order to protect their business prospects in India. The fallout of the article also led to the resignation of one of Facebook India's top officials, Ankhidas. Oh, and by the way, India happens to be Facebook's largest market in the world. To know more about Facebook's dodgy stance on human rights issues, not just in India but in other countries too, do read Nidhi's report titled, Sorry Not Sorry, Why Facebook's Stance on Human Rights is Hypocritical. Let me read you an excerpt. In February, BJP leader Kapil Mishra made an incendiary speech, recorded and widely shared on social media, that was denounced as the immediate trigger for the communal violence in northeast Delhi, which left at least 53 people dead and 200 injured. In June, Facebook chief Mark Zuckerberg obliquely referred Mishra's speech while outlining the dangerous relationship between social media and violence during a meeting with the company's 25,000 employees. But by the time Facebook took down the post, it had already been widely shared and within hours, riots broke out. Facebook, which once offered hope to free speech advocates, is today facing accusations that the company has done little to curb hate speech on its platform. To read the rest of the report, go to newslaundry.com. And while you're on our website, I urge you to check out all the other podcasts, ground reports, interviews, videos, and a lot more. Dear listeners, we would not have been able to do all of this work if not for our subscribers who fund News Laundry. So if you are not a subscriber already, now is the time to join the movement to keep news independent. Go to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner of the website. The lowest subscription starts at 300 rupees a month only. The police have arrested more than 100 workers who went on a rampage over claims of unpaid wages at a Taiwanese-run iPhone factory near Bangalore. Footage on social media showed smashed CCTV cameras and glass panels, broken lights and a car set on fire at Wistron Infocom's manufacturing facility. The workers claim that they have not been fully paid for four months and are being forced to do extra shifts. Wistron said that it pledged to follow local labour laws. In a statement to the news agency AFP, the company did not refer directly to the workers' complaints but said that the incident was caused by people of unknown identities from outside who intruded into and damaged its facility with unclear intentions. It said that it would resume operations as soon as possible. The violence broke out as about 2,000 workers from the night shift were leaving the building at Narsapura on Saturday. Hundreds went on a rampage, ransacking the offices of senior executives, destroying furniture assembly units and smashing glass panels and doors with rods. Karnataka's state deputy chief minister condemned the wanton violence and said that his government would ensure that the situation was resolved as soon as possible. And now for some international updates. 
COVID-19 has infected over 72.3 million people around the world, out of which 1.61 million have died. Singapore has become the latest country to approve the use of Pfizer's COVID vaccine. Prime Minister Lung said that the first shipment will arrive by the end of this month. He also said that Singapore, with a budget of more than 1 billion Singapore dollars for vaccines, has placed multiple bets by signing advance purchase agreements with vaccine makers, including Pfizer BioNTech, Moderna and China Sinovac. He said that the vaccine would be given on a voluntary basis and would be free for all citizens and long-term residents. In the US, things are somewhat going in an opposite direction. After reports that Trump and other White House staff would be offered the COVID vaccine on Monday, the US president said that he was not scheduled to receive the vaccine. In a tweet, he said, and I quote, People working in the White House should receive the vaccine somewhat later in the program unless specifically necessary. I have asked this adjustment to be made. I am not scheduled to take the vaccine, but look forward to doing so at the appropriate time. Thank you. Unquote. Although Trump has already had coronavirus, his taking of the vaccine is meant to demonstrate to Americans that the vaccine is safe. Bahrain, meanwhile, has approved a COVID vaccine developed by China national pharmaceutical group Sinopharm. The country launched online registration for the vaccine for its citizens and residents. And those above the age of 18 years can register online and receive the vaccine for free. Before I sign off, I'm very excited to introduce to you our brand new Let's Talk About podcast series on Big Data. Episode 1 is out. Let me play you a short clip. For thousands of years, humans could paint and draw. And only recently through the photograph did we begin to capture reality rather than represent it. And yet, the visual experience was fundamentally the same. One was looking at flat, unmoving images. But if you take those same images and sped them up to 24 frames a second, just fast enough that the mind sees them as a continuum, What you make is something essentially different. A movie. Whether you're a kinesier or an addict of a substance comes down to how much and how often you consume it and how that affects your life. Big changes in quantities cause big changes in essence. This brings us back to data. As data became big, this also brought rapid and dramatic changes in the essence of data. And relationships that were traditionally built on the movement of data between a state and its people, a retailer and its customers, insurers and insured, fundamentally and permanently also changed. To listen to the complete episode, head to our website newslaundry.com. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.